Hi everyone, I'm Kiana, and I'd like to welcome you to Toronto Nature Now, brought to you by Met Radio in Toronto and the Toronto Field Naturalists. The Toronto Field Naturalists are a volunteer-run, non-profit, nature conservation organization, connecting people with nature and wildlife in the Toronto area. Today, I'd like to welcome back Francesca Buaton, who's here to talk about a follow-up about Ontario Place. Francesca lives near Toronto and is passionate about Ontario Place. She has worked and volunteered in museums and cultural organizations around Toronto, and currently works in museum collections. She is greatly interested in how we live and interact with wildlife in urban parks and is normally found outside of work on a lakeshore trail with binoculars. She is currently volunteering with the group Ontario Place for All, which is campaigning for a future public space at the park, rather than the proposed privatization of the land. Here's what Francesca had to say. Hi, Francesca. How are you doing? Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm good, thanks. Uh, it's really nice to be here. Thank you. So you were on an episode a couple months ago about wildlife at Ontario Place, and today is our first follow-up episode. So we're going to have a little follow-up on Ontario Place. Yes, there has been uh, certainly a lot that has happened since uh, we last spoke. Okay, so my first question is, what is being seen on site at this time of year? Um, well, last time we spoke, it was a slightly different season. So I think um, this time of year is really interesting because there are you know many species that have migrated south before winter. Um, but right now we're seeing a lot of species which are uh, up north over summer. And then um, they move south to places like Toronto um, over winter. So around the shoreline at Ontario Place this week, uh, I've seen long-tailed ducks, uh, red-breasted mergansers, buffalo heads, hooded mergansers, golden eye. Um, and then just this last week, a, a pair of harlequin ducks, which was exciting because, you know, they're mostly found on the West Coast. There's a smaller population on the East Coast, but they do occasionally um, appear in Toronto. And that's always uh, an exciting um, species to see here. And then, you know, over the next couple of weeks, I'm expecting to see uh, a few more of our winter duck species. So, so some scop, uh, white-winged scoters, um, and then, you know, the past few years, there's been uh, occasionally a snowy owl along that stretch of the lakeshore, always a very special sighting. Um, and I hopefully we'll see that this winter as well. I just want to add, you know, one of the nice things uh, about all of these birds that arrive in the late autumn or early winter is that they're they're going to be here until spring. So if you're someone who's not yet familiar with the uh, the winter wildlife in the city uh, and you, you feel like you want to learn a bit more, you've got loads of time to get to know them um, and practice, you know, IDing uh, the different species because they're, they're pretty reliable along the shoreline. Um, and then, you know, around Trillium Park, especially, you've got these calm bays of water and you often get these, these really big rafts of ducks, a couple of hundred scop and, and redhead all together. And you don't even need binoculars. They're all they're all hanging out right by the shore. So it's it's definitely you know colder. The walks might be a little shorter, but there's there's always something something to see. That's awesome. I hope that I know I said this in our last episode, but I hope they are partying in the cold. <laughs> yeah, they they seem pretty unbothered. Uh, I've been down there on some very windy, uh, snowy conditions, and uh, there there are always going to be ducks in the water. <laughs> 
Well, that makes one of us because I will not be out in the cold. (laughs) (laughs) And so you mentioned a lot of wildlife that you've seen or that should be here. Um, How has wildlife been documented on site? Well, I've um, met lots of people uh, walking along the lakeshore. And uh, over the past two years, I've gotten to know quite a few of the regular bird watchers around Ontario Place. And people obviously observe for for all kinds of reasons. You know, for some, it's um, meditative or or for mental health or for a feel a kind of grounding connection with the natural world. Um, And then there's also photographers, artists. It's really fascinating all these um, connections people have with with bird watching but yeah there's there's lots of ways to document on site and I think it is quite important considering um, Ontario places is so at risk right now so a lot of people enter their observations with uh, eBird which is uh, a community scientist initiative um, and it's fairly straightforward you can either you can use an app or you can just keep a list and, and enter online afterwards uh, there's about 2,000 checklists uh, for Ontario Place, um, and over 190 species have have been recorded there, so it's pretty remarkable. Um, you can also use a resource like iNaturalist, uh, and you know at Ontario Place, there have been a really amazing diversity of of not just birds, uh, plants, uh, mammals, insects, mushrooms, uh, you know trees, really um, perhaps surprising variety. And it's also great because others can, you know, share, uh, uh, clarify observations. So lots of accuracy there. Um, And I think, you know, these kind of initiatives are exciting because you can directly contribute to to research going on. Um, And also important because when we were looking at the first development application uh, reports for Ontario Place, you know, there's a couple of natural heritage reports and there are a few uh, species that hadn't been captured by, by the people writing them. So eBird and iNaturalist can fill in those gaps to give a, 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 re- a really broader picture of, of what's on site. So lots of different ways people are reporting, um, lots of different uh, opportunities for people to be involved. There have been bird walks. There are initiatives from things like Birds Canada to encourage people to get out and uh, record things. And uh, yeah, I think it's, like I said, especially important for a site that is facing such imminent risk. So we will definitely get to what's happening at Ontario Place a bit later, but you mentioned all of this wildlife that loves to party at Ontario Place. (laughs) Um, So I was wondering what makes Ontario Place a great spot to see wildlife? Like what draws them to the area? Well, I think, um, you know, on a broader scale, I'm I'm sure many people who know the show probably know this, but the you know the shoreline in Toronto is is such a a busy bird migration uh, corridor. We're situated in this um this amazing location, uh, where we have green spaces that are really crucial for um, resting areas for birds in uh you know spring and fall migration, and any wooded habitat by the water is is usually going to result in plenty of bird sighting. So I think that's what makes Ontario Place interesting. Um, it's it's all combined in this this fairly condensed area. These um, sheltered coves of water. Uh, these over on the West Island, you've got older, taller trees with dense vegetation. So um, it's not just a great area to see migrating birds, but it's also lots of nesting habitat too for 
species like cardinals or nuthatches, uh, chickadees, orioles. Um, so all, all of these different uh, microenvironments um, in a, a fairly dense area. And I think if someone who wasn't yet familiar with wildlife uh, in the city in an urban context was to hear that you know, 20 minutes from Union Station, you know, by transit or walking distance to downtown, there's this spot where residents or visitors can see loons or kingfishers and hummingbirds occasionally. A beaver has been regularly seen there. Um, it, it might be surprising. I think it's really special that it's it's all in this potentially very accessible range for people. Um, and I think I just want to add that uh, you know, part of this redevelopment also involves moving the science center. And uh, I heard Floyd Ruskin, who's a ravine advocate in Toronto, he's working with the Save the Science Center campaign. Uh, he was speaking this week about the other potential loss of a close and accessible connection with nature if the science center is moved. You know, up, up where it is in Don Mills, there's, it's part of the ravine landscape and there's a, an opportunity to experience that environment, you know, ravines aren't always accessible for people and have that that closer connection to the, the nature that lives there. So I think with the potential destruction of Ontario Place and moving the Science Centre as well, um, that's unfortunately two big losses to have a, a close-up connection with nature in the urban, urban context. Yes, for sure. I think Ontario Place and the Science Centre are such iconic spots um, just even from my childhood of visiting there with my daycare or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, they are, you know, and I think part of the the connectness between the architecture and and the landscape around them is uh, what makes them so iconic. And I, those are two big potential uh, losses. For sure. And so what are some concerns around wildlife with the current development proposal? Um, so, you know, I mentioned, I used the word destruction um, earlier because I think the the scale of the, the planned development for Ontario Place um, speaks to what the impact is going to be. So the entirety of the, the west portion of the site, the, uh, the West Island, is going to be clear cut. So that's the area for the, the Therm Spa. Um, it requires all the trees to be cut. Uh, there's over, over 800 are going to be coming down. Um, lagoons infill, land will all be cleared. Uh, and then on top of that, the actual building footprint is is on land, which the land which is currently there. So you see in these renderings, um, any space that's around the building, I mean, paths around the building, which are being called parkland, uh, it's all future infilling uh, off the lake. And during the um, uh, development application process, there have been several calls for um, environmental assessment around lake filling that has not yet been fulfilled. Um, and then the building itself, this uh, thermospa on the west side of the site, which is really the re big contentious part of the redevelopment proposal. Um, I saw that there was an open letter just recently from FLAP, who are the Fatal Light Awareness Program. So they bring awareness um, and take action to tackle bird collisions across the country. Um, they wrote in this letter that they have all kinds of concerns around the actual infrastructure. You know, they bring up an example of, I don't think this is outside the realm of uh, 
of possibility for, for this development. Um, this large convention center in Chicago, which back in October saw over a thousand birds in, in one night collide with this building, fatal collisions. And, you know, Toronto is, is designated a bird-friendly city, but we're about to potentially have construction of a, a known high-risk building like that right on the waterfront. So I think, you know, the combination of clear-cutting the landscape, the habitat, which we know is uh, crucial for, for migratory species, um, and then also the actual building itself, it all adds up to something that is very difficult to to understand uh, how it could be in any way good for wildlife or nature. That sounds awful. I actually talked with some members of Flat Canada and they talked about how birds fly into buildings a lot. So hearing that is really sad. Yeah, it, you know, it is sad. I think that there can be all kinds of um, statements made about, you know, sustainable and friendly design. But at the end of the day, if you're placing a, a giant glass uh, building like this on the waterfront, it's inevitably going to be, um, uh, it's inevitably not going to be good for for um, our, our wildlife. And I think to add on, on top of all of this, just this week, the provincial government have passed, uh, oh, sorry, are in the process of passing legislation to exempt that whole project from the Environmental Assessment Act, from the Ontario Heritage Act, um, and, and parts of the Environmental Bill of Rights. So that's obviously a gigantic concern. Yes, for sure. And if birds have eyesight like mine without glasses, there definitely needs to be action. Yes, yes. And so what is currently happening on site and how can people get involved to help save Ontario Place's wildlife and the Science Centre? Um, so on site right now, uh, there has not yet been um, any any kind of tree cutting, but there is we're poised to kind of take action when we see that happening because we know that the uh, province has indicated that's going to be an imminent part of the construction. So um, I would recommend anyone who is is interested in um, in in saving Ontario Place uh, in trying to advocate for a, a different future for this site that doesn't involve privatizing an enormous part of it and clear-cutting a whole landscape. Um, there's a few different avenues. One of the major advocacy groups, uh, Ontario Place for All, has a few actions people can take right now. So uh, there's a spot on the, the website, ontarioplaceforall.com forward slash take action. You can um, sign up, uh, maybe add your mobile number, be prepared if there's any tree cutting to, to take direct action. There is a request for a federal impact assessment. So asking the, the federal government to step in and um, carry out some environmental checks, which we know are not happening right now. Uh, there's several letters to sign that are addressed to municipal, provincial, uh, federal levels of government. Um, and there's just a new action this week to call your MPP because, as I mentioned, there's legislation going through uh, Queen's Park just now, which is providing this project really wild exemptions from, from all um, good planning process. So I would advise checking out uh, that site. Um, and then there's a few other uh, great initiatives as well. There's a website called Save the Trees at OP, um, and that's all about 
finding finding out about the trees and the landscape uh, there, um, picking a tree and, and dedicating it to to someone and uploading that to uh, uploading a, a photograph to to spread awareness of them this urban tree canopy that we're potentially about to lose very soon. I casually follow Ontario Place for All and you guys seem like you guys are doing great work. <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean, it's there's a lot of uh, moving goalposts with this project um, and certainly the um, parties involved, I would not say have been transparent with the public about uh, various deadlines or actions. So it's really about trying to sift through all of that, understand what's happening and try and keep everyone updated, aware and then provide actions for people to take. So yeah, a, a lot a lot going. Yes, that's, that's great. Um, that's all I have to ask you today, but is there anything that you want to add or kind of mention? Um, I think don't be too deterred by the, you know, shorter days and colder weather. There's still a lot of wildlife out there. And please, I encourage anyone, if you have not been to Trillium Park or the West Island Ontario Place, you know, the next few weeks are a really good time to go and see, not just witness some of the wildlife there, but also potentially understand how much uh, we face losing, you know, public space, uh, but green space as well i think it's important to to um observe that and yeah we we don't have long before the end of the year so if you can the next few weeks <laughs> yes please get involved and maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones who see a snowy owl <laughs> yeah I, I hope i haven't made that promise but you never know that's the <laughs> nice thing about birding you never, you never know what you're gonna see so you could see something exciting <laughs> yes definitely go party <laughs> save Ontario Place <laughs> absolutely all those things <laughs> thanks again to Francesca Buan for talking with me today and I'd also like to thank you the listeners for tuning in anyone out there who'd like to get involved with the Toronto Field Naturalists can visit their website at torontofieldnaturalists.org again that's torontofieldnaturalists.org shout out to Paul Overy the show coordinator And once again, I'm Kiana for Met Radio, and this has been Toronto Nature Now. Make sure to tune in next time. 